you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew chapter 7. And as a reminder, we have an, a, a box in the back for your morning times and offerings, and we thank you for your continued faithfulness. My subject this morning is kingdom perseverance. Matthew chapter 7, I'll begin reading in verse number 7, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? These are very familiar verses. I know so many people who don't follow the Lord who know these particular verses. It's often used and spoken about and placed in the context of bringing a new hope and a new optimism to a particular situation. They're verses of encouragement. Yet if we were to understand the original language in which these passages were written, we might look at them a little differently. They address a deep issue that Jesus was facing. They address a deep issue that we face today. You see, in the original language, they're not these quick ask and you get, seek and you find, knock and it gets opened. The overall language of the verb structure is keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. The clear implication is that you are asking or seeking or knocking on the door about something and it's not for the first time. This is not about walking into a drive-in theater or, or a uh, drive-in fast food restaurant and being able to get what you want quickly. This is about being able to persevere and have the ability that when you ask for something and it doesn't come the first time, but you know what? I'm going to keep on asking. I'm going to keep on seeking. I'm going to keep on knocking. And some are going to say, well, if I don't get it the first time and I keep on asking, what a waste of time. Hmm. Gee. Can't Jesus be more efficient and give it to me the first time? Here's what I want. Let's move along. We need to understand what this is in the context of. The verses before this, Jesus talked about prayer. Prayer. Prayer is the earth is an earthly request for heavenly intervention. There is no area of your life, there is no area of my life, there is no area of anyone's life that couldn't use a little heavenly intervention. We need to be humble enough as his people to understand that we need him in every single area of our lives and that without him, we are completely lost. This is no promise of a microwave Jesus. The Lord wants his people to persevere. If ever there's going to be a group of people that are going to demonstrate for the entire world the principles of don't give up and don't quit, it needs to be God's people who understand that they have a relationship with Jesus and they're going to hang in there and be part of that relationship as they ask him for things on a day-by-day -day basis. 
This can apply to every area of life. This can apply to work. Anyone ever have a coworker that was a pain? I know. <laughs> this, this message then will help you deal with other people who have that problem. And then you've gone to the Lord and say, Lord, make that person less of a pain. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> and then you make that prayer. And then the next day, guess what? They're still a pain. They haven't changed. They haven't grown. They haven't stopped being what they've always been. And also, I haven't changed either. So we keep asking. Lord, either change them or change me. We keep asking. This can work in our family relationships. This can work with various goals or hopes we have. God's people are not people who give up. We don't quit. And here Jesus relates it to our prayers and with our relationship with him. And by the progression of the terms themselves, asking, well, asking is one level of inquiry. You sit someplace and you ask. Seeking, that takes a little bit more effort. You get up from your place of asking, and now you go looking for the thing that you're seeking. And knocking even takes more effort to go knocking on a door and seeing if it'll open and being persistent. All the while during the conversation, you're persevering. You're not giving up. You're not giving up on situations. You're not giving up on people. God's people need to be the ones that don't give up on others. We have so many people in our culture, so many people in our lives, so many people in our society that everyone has given up on. But how many know all the people that everyone's given up on, God hasn't given up on them? Amen. Aren't you grateful that God never gave up on you? God hung in there when everyone else was willing to walk away. Not giving up on people. And when it comes to the list of people that we need to not give up on, I want to suggest today that at the top of that list should be the person you see in the mirror. Don't give up on you. But pastor, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how often I have failed. But God does. And he still loves you. And he still wants a relationship with you. And he still wants to walk forward in victory and power with you. But God can't ever use me. But just remember, while we're telling other people that God loves them and God died for them, you're part of the them he died for. But I don't see any results. We'll keep on asking. But nothing seems to be changing. We'll keep on seeking. I'll never be able to do this. Keep on knocking. I've shared the story of my own walk with the Lord, especially when he called me into ministry. The nerve of the Son of God to call somebody who stuttered as a child into public ministry where you have to speak all the time. What was he thinking? 
but it kept on seeking. Well, Lord, if you really are serious about this, that's a question you really don't want to ever ask God, if you're serious. If you're serious, we're going to have to work on this. Okay. How many know his power is able to overcome any flaw? His power is, over, is able to overcome any issue. But I'm lacking in this area, but he's not lacking in any area. And that power can be applied to your life in every situation. We have been conditioned in our culture to give up. To get, if it doesn't happen quickly, move along. If it doesn't happen right away, seek some other method. If it doesn't happen right now, just move on. We've been trained to seek short-term results. We've been trained, to, if it doesn't feel right in the short term, just give up and move on until you find something that right away feels good. We've been, con we've been told that for some reason, endurance is not cool. As I've told my sons and told many people for years, it's been decades since I cared about being cool. I don't want to be cool anymore. I want to just walk with Jesus. These verses can sound like an instant formula. Ask and you get. Seek and you find. Knock and it's opened. But they truly speak about God's people being persistent, especially when it comes to our relationship with him. Your persistence says a lot about you and your faith. What or in whom do you ultimately believe? I thank God for the privilege of prayer. The privilege to be able to be in his presence and communicate with him and then listen and have him communicate with me. I thank God for his word. His word is not just another book. It is the book in human history. It is the Bible. It is the rule book of life. It has all that I need to make it not just through the day, but to thrive and be victorious in this day and in the days to come. Psalm 119, starting in verse number 97, says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are the words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. His word guides our lives, and when he becomes part of us, in that keeping, in that asking, in that knocking, that continual, ongoing, persevering effort, we move forward. This type of devotion doesn't happen overnight. There is no Christian pill. It takes being willing to stick it out. But pastor, this last couple of months, these last eight, nine months, they've been rough. They have been. They have been rough. They've been difficult. 
They've been stormy, but our God rises above the storm. They've been difficult from the standpoint of provision, but our God is our provider. It takes being willing to hang in there in tough times. Now, I know that saying to hang in there in tough times isn't shouting preaching. But it's what God calls us to do. And not only calls us to do, it's what he gives us the power to do. It takes being willing to press on when things around us are confusing. Has there been any confusion in our way the last couple of months? No, again, it's just, just me. But what I don't understand is never going to change what I do understand. What I don't know is never going to take me away from what I do know. So when things around me get confusing, when things around me get to a place where I can't figure them out, I still know the truth that I know and that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's not going to change. Nothing can happen in this world that can change the fact that Jesus is still on the throne. We truly believe that his word does not return void. So those co-workers who are a real pain, keep on witnessing to them. Keep on not only sharing Jesus's love with them, but keep on modeling it with them. Keep on being an example to your friends. Keep on being an example to your family. And not only being an example, I want to encourage all of us to, as well, keep on taking a stand with your friends and taking a stand with your family. I believe this is right. I believe that is wrong. And since I believe that is wrong, I'm not going there with you. Now, why? What is our motivation? Why should we keep on pressing on? Why bother giving him the effort? Well, because verses 9 through 11 that we read say, essentially, our God is good. How many can say amen to the fact that our God is good? Amen. He uses parents and the whole parenting relationship as an example. He says, we give good things to our kids. We want the best for them. We love and care for their needs. And we do that, he says, basically being corrupt and sinful. And then says, how much more in verse 11? How much more? We need to understand there isn't any mother or any father that can love anybody more than God loves you. There isn't any mother or any father who can care for you more than God cares for you. There isn't any mother or any father who can provide more for you than God can provide for you. There isn't any parent who can out-parent God. There isn't any mother or father who could love you more. Now, a mother's love is precious, and a father's love is precious. But God is above them all. God's love is above it all. There isn't anyone who can provide for you better. Matthew chapter 6, verse 32 says, For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God is asking us to come to him in prayer, and he knows what we need, but he wants 
a relationship with us, a conversational, intimate, day-by-day relationship. Now, he's saying don't worry. He knows what you need. Let our faith arise and realize that we serve a really, really, really big God. He is worthy of our faith, but I need to balance this message out because it talks about ask and you receive. Even if over the long haul, that means I can ask for anything, right? Anything whatsoever. And if I stay persistent and I stay consistent, he will provide. Well, John 15, verse number 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. So when you're asking for that coworker who's been a pain to have harm come to them, God's not going to answer that prayer. You got that, right? He's not going to take that person out. If you abide in me and his words of love, his words of power, his words of eternal life abide in us, then in that context, if you ask anything that you desire, it'll be provided. If is a big word, even though it's a little word, but it's a big one. If you and I abide in Jesus and his words abide in us. First John chapter five, verses 14 and 15. Now let this confidence that we have in, now this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked for. If we ask anything according to his will, I don't want to burst any bubbles. I don't want to stop you from praying, but it's just a remote possibility that God may not want you to have a million dollars. Maybe. I could be wrong. Keep praying for that million. And if you do get that prayer, then maybe I'll give a sermon on tithing. I don't know. But ask according to his will. Pastor, I don't know what his will is for my life. Yeah, you do. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. For this is the perfect will of God. Be thankful in all things. First Thessalonians says, in everything give thanks. Why? Because it's a good idea? It is a good idea. But it says... In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Are we going through life with a thankful heart? Are we going through life with an attitude truly of gratitude? If you ask anything, yes, anything, according to his will. James chapter 1, verse number 5, start reading there. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask who gives to God liberally without reproach and let it be and it will be given to him but let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea tossed and driven by the wind for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the lord for he is double minded unstable in all his ways we need to understand that our god is all powerful but our god is not a genie We don't just rub the lamp and hope we get what we want. 
we need to ask in faith. We don't ask him just to cover the bases. Well, I'm going to ask God because you know what? That might work. No, we come to him, it says, with a confidence that we know our God is a good God. Our Heavenly Father is a loving Heavenly Father, and he loves to hear the voices of his children. God is not a genie. He is not a slot machine or some game of chance. These principles of asking, of seeking, of knocking, they're realized in a living, loving, breathing, thriving relationship with Jesus. The pastor, I don't know, what I'm asking for is real, real tough. It's really, really big. And I've asked for a while, and I don't see anything. Keep on asking. Keep on asking. Most of you have been very supportive and been praying for my back. Give up. Especially don't give up on you. Well, I'm not the Christian I should be. Keep on asking. Keep on asking for that power. The Bible says everyone is given a measure of faith. God, let that measure of faith move in our midst. I don't know if I can make it. Keep on asking and seeking. This is just too hard. Keep on knocking. We're getting to the end of this message that he preached on that mountainside. And we're getting to a tremendous series in in next week's message about the foundations of our faith. About entering the wide or narrow gate. About the path that God wants us to go. A foundation principle. About the values that we have as his people. And ultimately, he ends the sermon talking about foundations. Do you build on a rock or do you build on sand? But just before getting to that conclusion, he wants to know that we're in it with him, that we're in it for the long haul. When I accepted Jesus as a 16-year-old teenager, the same age William Featherstone was when he came to the Lord, it wasn't to try it out. It wasn't to see if Jesus would be good or a positive influence in my life. It was to dedicate every single day that followed. And if every single day was filled with misery, I was still going to give him all that I had in my heart. I wasn't going to follow him hoping that he would make every day wonderful. Now, by the way, he has. He really has brought joy and peace into my life. But many of us have heard the phrase, if I had never known another blessing, if I had never known another joy, if I had never known another moment of peace, it would take the rest of my life just to serve him out of gratitude for what he's already done for me. Because of him, I have my name written down in a book in heaven. Because of him, I've had my sins covered and completely washed white as snow. Because of him, I have an abundant life that I can walk in in this one. So what's the benefit of following Jesus? Hope. We have a hope in him That is beyond what any person can give. We have evidence of that hope. In all that he's done. 
each one of us could stand up and give testimonies as to how good God is, how good God has been. And because of that, we know how good God will be. So I want to encourage you today. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Don't give up. Don't give up. Because Jesus hasn't given up on you. I first heard God's call when I was 17 years old. And I've shared, I thought God was nuts. And I told him so. God, I think you're nuts. And I proceeded for the next 13 years to run from God's call. Didn't run from my faith, but I ran from my call. I did everything I could in the church I was a part of. I was a youth leader, Sunday school teacher, deacon, elder, usher, even managed a couple of seasons on our softball team. Did all I could for the Lord out of a heart of gratitude. But how many know God doesn't forget? So I would bring all these things to him and lay them at his feet. And he'd say, these are wonderful. Now let's get back to the thing I called you to when you were 17 years old. Are we still on that, God? (laughs) Haven't we moved on to other things? And so at the ripe old age, I say that now, at the ripe old age of 30, I decided that running from God was fruitless. So let me encourage you today. Don't take 13 years to come to that conclusion. God wants to deal in our lives today, but he wants to know that since he's not going anywhere, that you and I are not going anywhere. Church, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. You got a loved one who's far from the Lord? Keep on seeking. Keep on praying. You got a family member who's going through a difficult time and they're in this place of confusion because their faith isn't strong, keep on asking. Keep on praying. Keep on knocking. You have friends that you know, they're going through difficult times and because of their lack of a Christian faith, because of their lack of knowing Jesus, they just don't know where to turn, so they turn to all the wrong places. Keep on asking. Pray for them. Yeah, but they've been doing this for years. I got cousins that I've been praying for for 20 years. You know what? I'm not giving up because I know God is knocking on their hearts as I seek him in that quiet place. We all have friends and family like that. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find Knock, and the door will be open to you. Let's stand together.